0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Did you know that students get it free? The Irish Times offers a free digital subscription to all full-time undergraduates. Keep up to date for free with
0: quality journalism and reporting. Claim yours today at irishtimes.com subscribe
1: slash student.
0: This is In the News from The Irish Times. I'm Aideen Finnegan. Today, tragedy in Donegal. The identities of the deceased as follows. James O'Flaherty, 48 years. Jessica Gallagher, 24 years. Martin McGill, 49 years. Catherine O'Donnell, 39 years. And her son, James Monaghan, 13 years. Hugh Kelly, 59 years. Martina Martin, 49 years. Robert Garway, 50 years, and his daughter, Shauna flanagan Garway, 5 years, and Leona Harper, 14 years of age. Thank you very much. A tight-knit community in northern Donegal is preparing to bury 10 relatives, neighbours, friends. On Monday, we began to hear from the families of the victims, like the parents of 14-year-old Leona Harper,
1: 24 hours before we got her and she was was the last
0: taken out. Donna Harper speaking on Donegal's Highland Radio.
1: Donna was a beautiful girl and she was never any trouble. Um, She had so many amazing friends. We've had
0: messages from all over the world um, giving condolences. Irish Times social affairs correspondent Kitty Holland is in Creasla. Kitty, could you give us an overview of what exactly happened on Friday afternoon?
1: There was what is suspected to have been a massive gas explosion at the Creasla service station and grocery shop just on the outskirts of the village People rushed to the scene and we knew very quickly that there were going to be some very serious injuries because of the nature of the collapse of a sort of three, four storey building. And it emerged later in the evening that there were three fatalities first, then overnight as people dug and removed debris overnight into Saturday morning. There were six fatalities and then by Saturday, kind of late morning, it was confirmed that there were 10 fatalities, including two teenagers and a little girl aged five. And what exactly does the scene look like? It's
0: As I understand it, it is a supermarket uh, attached to a petrol station, but it also is a complex of apartments as well.
1: Yeah, so it's it's like, as we see outside most um, small towns in Ireland now, there's your standard, you know, modern new petrol station and, and a grocery store, the only grocery store in the whole of Cresla. So it's a huge loss for the village, just in practical terms as well. And above that, then a complex of 16 or so apartments over three to four floors. And now it's just a scene of absolute devastation, uh, rubble. You can see into the apartments, the wall has collapsed down on top of the apple green station, crushing the station um, beneath and the walls have kind of fallen out. At the moment, um, I'm sitting just near the station and there's these builders, workers are securing it. They're putting up a cordon around it. um, I presume with a view to reopening the road and making safe the, the site where it happened. What strikes
0: me, Kitty, is the entirely ordinary nature of the errands that were being run on Friday afternoon, you know, that had people in the shop at the time, you know, buying an ice cream after school and withdrawing cash from an ATM machine and buying a birthday cake for a young child's mother. Who were the people in the shop who so tragically lost their lives?
1: Well, well, as you say, they were people going about their ordinary Friday Afternoon errands, Catherine O'Donnell was there with her son, James Monaghan, 13. She had just met him off the bus from Mulroy College in Milford. It's about a 35 minute drive away. There was little Shauna in with her father. He was originally from Zimbabwe, been living here a little while, like a few years. They were buying a birthday cake for for her mother. There was Martin McGill, who was just, I'm looking at the takeaway he went into. It's a pizza um, takeaway. They needed him to get cash, so he ran across the road to get... Money for um from the ATM. There was Leona Harper who lived in Remelton area, which is um I suppose about a half an hour drive from here. She had a choice of going to a birthday party or going to a sleepover here with one of her friends and she chose to go to the sleepover. So she's not immediately from the area, but she um yeah, she was here by chance she could have been somewhere else. Martina Martin, who is forty nine, she worked in the shop at the till. And Hugh Kelly. And 48-year-old James O'Flaherty, he was originally from Sydney and had settled here. He was an engineer from the University of Tasmania and he was very friendly, chatty, good sense of humour, good Australian sense of humour, loved life here, hardworking, lovely member of of the community, just going about his ordinary business And as you say yeah, absolutely just doing their ordinary everyday things as you do on a friday and i suppose that's what's so shocking for people like bishop alan mcguckian was talking to me about it and he was you know he was making the point which is that it was the randomness of of the event you know there but literally for the grace of god could have gone any of us our lives are frail our lives are
0: fragile um i think you know you can't be thinking about that all the time uh it wouldn't be good and yet it was good to acknowledge it some of the time. Um,
1: and certainly, people in the town. I've spoken to several people who said that they usually go into the post office that time. They were, but they just let, were going to leave it till four o'clock to get the end of the get the post office on Friday. But they would usually be in there. Someone else whose wife had been in there. Literally, he thinks she may have even been the last person to leave the shop. She was there about three minutes before. You know, we we feel we feel we have so much control over our lives, and as Bishop McGuckian said, we it, ma- it makes us realize and come face to face with how little control we have over even the point at which we die, and that's the you know the frailty of life, the the fragility of our existence. That you know you're here one minute and you're gone the next, and that's really difficult for people, I suppose, to have to face and to process. It's what makes it so shocking, and here you know a whole community is is having to face that. And it's not just Creeslock, it's Dunfanaghy, it's Terman, it's Fana, it, you know, it's Ramelton, it, it's Milford. It's all the towns around who, who love people who were involved in it. So it's a, it's a huge, devastating, shocking event for the whole of North Donegal.
0: so we know that there were 10 victims and eight people have were rescued from the building do we know the
1: extent of their injuries that actually hasn't been released for you know for all of them we know that one of the injured is in the burns unit in James's hospital he's actually the boyfriend of Jessica who will be the first funeral tomorrow morning so we know that Connor McFadden who is Jessica's boyfriend is uh she was visiting him in his apartment and She was the first fatality apparently brought from the rubble and he's now in hospital. I don't know the extent of the other injuries who are in Letterkenny. The devastating impact of the explosion was clear as soon as it happened shortly after three o'clock this afternoon. Walls blown out, cars destroyed, windows in nearby homes shattered. Emergency services were quickly on the scene and the local community went straight into action to help. Kitty, the rescue
0: operation sounds like it was extremely dangerous. What can you tell us about the damage to the building and what that
1: meant for the rescue effort on Friday? Well, from from having spoken to Gary Martin, who's the head of emergency response in Donegal County Council, he was here by about four o'clock on Friday. And he could see that it was an extremely unstable and uh, dangerous environment, despite the fact that there were hundreds of locals, you know, literally by hand lifting concrete slabs and metal and everything from the from the collapsed structure. I was speaking to a doctor. He was he was the head of the HSE emergency response, and he was saying that the people were blinded to their own, the danger they were in, be, you know, blinded by love for the people they wanted to get to and blinded by adrenaline, the sense that they had to, had to do something. And I've spoken to some of those people who were there on the scene and you yeah, speaking very movingly about the just you go into automatic drive and just feel you have to you have to do something because, you know, the people who are in there and, you, you know, if you're, you have to, you can't leave. It sounds like the structure was extremely unstable when people, and you've got to remember, of course, it was on top of thousands of litres of petrol, that there were gas canisters everywhere. So a really potentially very dangerous situation. As one man said, we could have lost 200 people if something had gone wrong. Moving concrete against metal could have created a spark. But Applegreen did have engineers on site and they emptied the tanks and turned off the valves and the gas, I understand, was cleared from the area as well. One um, ambulance worker said it was like working with a a game of Jenga. If they took the wrong wrong piece of brick away, the whole thing could have come crashing down. So there was a structural engineer on site throughout the whole of Friday night and into Saturday. And they were doing assessments as they moved in phases through removing the rubble because at times they had to stabilise the structure that they were about to start unpicking before they did that because it could have collapsed and caused further injury. So a really painstaking, slow, methodical, dangerous operation, real heroics and very impressive. I mean, people who who survived it were, you know, were pulled out in the very early stages and the people who were who died sadly would have died in the immediate crush. So I don't think there's any sense that anyone was, you know, waiting to be rescued that wasn't rescued. I think they, from what I hear and what I understand, the very best of everything was brought to try and rescue them. I've been very struck by the community response. Uh, People have really
0: pulled together in a, you know, I want unbelievable is the wrong word because of course you can believe a a small community like this would rally together. But, you know, in terms of working through the night on Saturday and the local coffee shop staying open for 48 hours straight, I mean, you might be able to speak to the the community response there.
1: Again, the the coffee pod, which is just across the road from where it happened, they were due to close on Friday evening, but obviously, you know, they couldn't. They had to, there were so many emergency personnel on site and they began providing food and coffees and teas and soup, not charging anyone. They were doing the same through Saturday and the same through yesterday, Sunday. From what I understand, people were bringing food to the coffee pot because they knew that that's where the emergency workers were coming and going from. So the community brought food. There's also since because, as I mentioned, the Apple Green was the only grocery store in Creaselock, which is a small population, but the next nearest one is in Dunfanaghy, which would be about a 10, 15 minute drive from here, if you don't have a car, you know, it's going to be very difficult to even get something like a pint of milk. So the church has started accepting donations of groceries of, you know, and Shops like Asda and Instraban have delivered up bread and milk and basic provisions that people can just go and get. And obviously the key heroic community response is the people who rushed in their tennis shoes and their T-shirts and their jeans and with none of the protective equipment they should have had uh, if they were being professionals, you know, the rip-proof, the burn-proof, the steel-toed capped boots, you know, they went in and started literally lifting concrete slabs that would have weighed tons to try and get people in the building so the hotel I stayed in for the last few nights were giving breakfast for free to anyone who was staying to be part of the story and charging a cut rate for the rooms and, and which just wouldn't hear of taking the full price and it equally in the coffee shop they just wouldn't take any money and I suppose it's just a sense that anything they could do they wanted to do it because you know they were their friends and family.
0: How are people now, Kitty, in terms of the initial shock, perhaps, and the adrenaline having waned, you know, a couple of days later? What what are people telling you? Are they paying tributes to the people who've died? Are they, you know, sharing stories?
1: As with all these stories that locals are less wanting to talk to media, I think they are, you know, there is that kind of everyone's welcome at first, but then there's people want their privacy in their space. So people are talking less to media, and that's totally understandable than they were a few days ago. But those I have spoken to, particularly a couple of the people, the rescuers who arrived, just locals, seem very shook. I was speaking to one man who who arrived on the scene and he was there all through Friday until Saturday evening. And um, he says it's only really hitting him now. It's, It's really, it's beginning to get to him now. And I suppose that's, how it's going to be, and, and they have to steal themselves now for the funerals, which is going to be, uh, I don't know how they're going to get through. It's going to be devastating. Um, they're going to need every bit of support and love they can get from, from anywhere they can get it. Because everybody involved in the
0: funeral process will know these people as well and know the circumstances. I mean, I'm sure even for the undertakers involved, it must be a very extraordinarily challenging time for them too the funerals that are taking place do we know who's being laid to rest
1: this week so the first funeral is tomorrow at 11am of the young woman who's a fashion designer and was due to start a job in in Belfast today Monday her funeral's at 11am tomorrow and then at 2 o'clock in the afternoon Martin McGill who was a carer for his mother she apparently heard the heard the bang and rang the pharmacy to say, you know, my Martin is down there. And can you see if he's there? And they went up and sure enough, his his car was in the forecourt. Um, so he is being his funeral is tomorrow, two o'clock. And then there's um, Wednesday, James O'Flaherty, his funeral. He's the man, the engineer from Australia. So we haven't don't have details of the others as yet.
0: How do you think people can help, Kitty? Because obviously the rest of the country is looking on and so very struck by what's happened and upset for them. Is there a way that other people in other parts of the country can help?
1: You know, this is this is going to be a very, in many ways, a very private and individual grief that this community will go through and the individuals in it will go through it in their own individual ways. There is a GoFundMe page which has been established, which if people want to give practical support, you know, and, and the HSE is providing counselling and that kind of thing. I suppose this is a terribly heavy burden that this community and these people are going to have to carry. And really, they're at the end of the day, they will carry it in their own ways. And, and there isn't really an awful lot we can do, except let them know that we're thinking of them and that we, you know, send love their way. But really, it's, you know, grief is private and grief is individual and grief is awful, but it's something people have to process as people on you know in their own ways the stark shell of the building where the explosion happened remains cordoned off as Garda the technical teams continue their investigation into the cause of the blast
0: kitty obviously it's very early days in terms of understanding what happened here but what is the
1: latest with the investigation I know they're cordoning off the site at the moment to make it safe and I suppose to make it, you know, so intruders can't go in and mess with it because they are awaiting explosive experts from overseas to come. Um, The focus of the investigation is on a gas leak either in one of the apartments or with gas canisters that were stored in quite high numbers at the the apple green service station even within apartments it would be gas canisters as well there's no piped gas so that's the focus of the investigation i suppose it's really just to locate where that happened and that's where that's at at the moment kitty
0: holland thank you very much for joining us from chrysla thanks a million that's it for today This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.